Hey, it's Emily with the Limitless Female Podcast. This is episode 14, Permission to Take Up Space. Woman, welcome. If you're a mama who is feeling all the feels of motherhood, the ups and downs of hormones, and maybe even depression, then you are in the right place. Limitless Female is your confident inner voice, helping you master your mood and create the epic life that calls you. My goal is to show you just how enough you are so you can show up limitless in your own life. Let's get started. Good morning and welcome to the Limitless Female Podcast. I am super excited to be here with you guys today to be chatting with you and very excited about this podcast. I mean, come on. The title alone just pumps me up because I feel like it's something that we could all work on just a little bit more. And the podcast is called Permission to Take Up Space. I love this topic, you guys. It's so fantastic. How many of you notice in your life that you shy away from taking up time, energy, space, emotional bandwidth from other people in your life? right? Like you don't want to be a burden. You don't want to be too much emotion for somebody. You don't want it to take too much time. I'm so sorry it's taking so much time. I can come back another time where we don't want to take up energy in the room. Um, I want you guys to notice how you're sitting right now. Either you're in the car, maybe you're doing dishes, but if you're sitting still, I want you guys to notice how you're sitting. Okay. Take a little check in your body and see how you're sitting. I want you to notice your facial expression, okay? Now I want you to think about what emotion you're feeling and tell me, does that emotion match your facial expression and your nonverbal body cues, what your body's doing? When I was at Mastermind this year, there was such a fantastic talk by Rachel. I'll have to... um, I will connect her in the show notes so you guys can check her out. But she's an awesome stop over drinking coach. Um, But she talked about emotions. So we're all emotional beings. If you think about anything that you've ever done in your life, it was always compelled by an emotion. Even the inaction, the things you don't do, it was compelled by the way you were feeling right? So if you didn't go to a tryout, it was because of an emotion like fear or scarcity or overwhelm or inadequacy, right? The emotion stopped you from going and taking action. If you kissed your husband when he walked in the door, you were feeling some sort of desire or love or compassion. If he looked tired, um, you're feeling some sort of emotion that compelled you to stand up and kiss your husband when he got home from work. If you didn't go say hi to him and you kept watching TV, maybe you were feeling lazy. Maybe you were feeling underappreciated. Maybe you were feeling entitled that you should be able to stay on the couch and you don't have to get up. Everything we do or we don't do is compelled by an emotion. Even like when we create families, when we choose to have a baby or foster a child, we have some kind of overriding emotion that is stronger than any other emotion that compels us to take that action. So maybe we're afraid to adopt a child 
But if you did go adopt that child, you had a stronger emotion than fear that might have been compassion, love, desire, hope, right? All of these things, abundance, like you have so much and you want to give. All of those emotions overrode the emotion of fear. And so you adopted that child. So we are emotional beings. But I loved Rachel's talk because she talked about how she would come to Brooke and Brooke would say, you know, what emotion is fueling you right now in your business? And she said, I'm really excited. And Brooke would say, you need to check your face because Brooke's so funny like that and very straightforward. (laughs) You guys have to see her live. She is hilarious. She curses like a sailor, but she's very funny and also an obviously an incredible coach. Um, but she kept telling Rachel, you need to check your face. You don't look excited. And it was driving Rachel crazy. She would go home and be like, what is Brooke talking about? I'm very excited. And she would do some of the exercises that I do with my clients where, you know, she would sit down and kind of get into her body and picture excitement and kind of try to generate excitement so she could go about her work that day in her business and be as productive as possible. And, you know, months would go by and she would have a coaching session with Brooke and she would tell Brooke the emotion she was feeling and Brooke would say, you don't look excited. You need to check your face. And so it just kept driving her crazy. So from this experience, she did a lot of research on how your body is connected to the way you feel. And so it was kind of hilarious because we're all sitting in this huge conference room and she's up there giving a talk to us in front of hundreds of people. And on the big screen pops up this video of her kind of in um, what tabletop, the yoga pose tabletop, you know, where your hands are on the ground and your knees are on the ground and your back is straight. And she starts to play the video and she's like, this is what it looks like to get into your body. You can't just sit in a chair and feel excited. You can't just generate excitement by your thoughts, which is interesting, right? Because as a coach, that's what I teach, right? That you think a thought and it creates an emotion and that emotion is what drives your action. So you can intentionally create an emotion so that you can take an action that will serve you. Right. So if I'm not feeling super excited, I could sit down at my desk, I could run a model, I could find out what thought would be most productive for me to create, you know, focus. And then I could generate focus within me and go take action from focus. Right. Is the idea. So when she said that we can't just sit down and generate emotion, I was like, what, Rachel? That's what we're taught here. You know, looking at Brooke's face. And then Rachel goes on to explain that we are moving beings, right? Like when we're excited, we jump up and extend our arms in the V position and show excitement. Our whole entire body is excitement. We don't just do excitement with a feeling inside. It's not just a chemical vibration that we feel. It's a chemical vibration that we express through verbal cues. So she's in this tabletop position and, you know, she's just watching her own video up there and she starts rocking in the tabletop position 
And then she starts wobbling her head back and forth and waving her hair around. And you see a slight grin go across her face. And you see her lean back on her knees and start to rock a little bit on her knees. She starts shaking her hands out. And her grin is getting bigger. And she's smiling from ear to ear. And you see her eyebrows move up and down. And she's clenching her fists. And she's shaking her shoulders. And then she starts to wiggle her shoulders and roll her body all around and you just see it, right? And at the end of the video, she's like, that's what excitement feels and looks like. Like to actually generate excitement, we can't just sit in our chairs, do a model and create excitement. And that's why she kept going to Brooke and saying, no, I'm really, really excited. And Brooke's like, you don't look excited because she wasn't generating excitement to its full capacity. And I know it sounds kind of weird, you guys, but you have to try it. I'm going to have to post a video of me doing it on um, the Limitless Female Facebook page. Maybe on my website. I don't know, you guys. People might think I'm crazy when they show up there for the first time. But it was kind of hilarious because Tyson, the person who took all the videos and got them ready for the speakers, got this video from her without any caption. And, you know, of course, he had to watch it through. And so she just thought it was hilarious that he saw her doing this and was probably like, what the heck is Rachel doing? Am I supposed to be watching this? Is this appropriate? <laughs> so it was awesome. Um, and it was kind of funny because uh, Tyson is this good little Mormon boy. And it was actually kind of hilarious to watch him bring his, I don't, if anybody doesn't know a Mormon, we're nerdy by nature because we never did the things that make you very cool in high school. Um, you know, we not a lot of us didn't go clubbing or to parties. Some of us did, but um, we went to church dances, which if you've never been to a Latter-day Saint church dance, um, we're nerdy, like seriously dorky. Um, we danced to all the fast songs, like weird, and we're not like freak dancing. We're not all up on each other. We're dorky. So it was hilarious to watch Tyson and I, I don't know. I hope he hears this episode. <laughs> Bring that flair to Mastermind. Um, he was announcing everyone with like rhymes and beatboxing as they come on stage. And I loved it. I mean, it couldn't have been better. It was so good. So anyway, she's teaching us how to actually feel excited. And I love this because it reminded me of a TED Talk that my friend Chrissy shared with me before I was even a coach. And it's a TED talk by Amy Cuddy. And she talks about body language and how it actually creates an emotion. So first she's talking about how we see in lots of studies and in nature and primates, if someone is in a position of power, they tend to have higher testosterone, which is like a power hormone or a dominance hormone, and lower cortisol, which is like your stress hormone. So they're more assertive, they're more direct, they're more confident, and they react slower to stressful situations. Um, and so her big question was, if people in power feel this way and actually have these chemical responses, can we create those chemical responses by mimicking what power looks like? And so um, she talked about the different power positions. So we tend to 
um, not mirror people in their physical nonverbal cues, but we tend to compliment them. So if you've ever noticed when someone's standing with you and they have their arms really big, I think about my dad, he tells stories with his hands out. He's such a ham and he's just really into it and very animated. And when someone tells that kind of story, it's like that you might notice that you lean back a little bit, you fold your arms in, you bow your head down a little bit and you're kind of nodding and your your body language tends to get smaller. There's you, very um, seldom is there two people who are both have their hands up and telling a story facing each other. It just doesn't happen very often. So we tend to compliment. And because men have most of our lives been in more positions of power than women, just the way it has gone over time and how women are, you know, coming into their roles and finding their place in government, in positions, all over the, you know, in creativity, being able to write, speak, all these amazing things. Men generally have been the people in higher positions of power. So they generally have had higher testosterone and lower cortisol. So women tend to be the ones who make themselves smaller to complement the person on the other side of the conversation. Not that it can't be two women, but it just has more often been a man with a wider body position and a woman making herself smaller. So I want you to picture maybe the way a man stands at the end of a conference table when he's speaking. He might have his hands out wide on the conference table and he's kind of leaning over the conference table into everybody, right? That's a power position. He's very open. Um, or like I talked about, when someone's excited and wins a race, they're going to jump up and create that V with their arms and their chin lightly tilted up. She says, Amy Cuddy in her um, TED Talk says that even people who have never seen and are blind will exhibit the same physical response to excitement, like winning a race, as somebody who's seen it. They have the V arms and their chin slightly tilted up. So we tend to compliment those people by making ourselves smaller. Now, women, because we are, I think, on purpose, complimentary, it balances the planet, right? I think our role as moms and protectors and helicopter moms, like being aware of all the possible dangers, we do all that more than men, I think on purpose, right? There needs to be some kind of balance. But today I want to sell you on taking your place in the world and taking up space in several areas of your life. Because If we continue to make ourselves small because we think we are complimenting somebody else and we don't want to take up space, then we cannot change and affect the world in the way that we were meant to. Um, Russell M. Nelson gives an excellent quote and he says, if the world loses the moral rectitude of its women, the world will never recover. What a powerful statement. It made me feel like I need to show up in my life. I need to show up in others' lives. I need to have a voice and an opinion. Um, I love it because recently um, my coach Jody Moore sent out an email and she said that 
we don't want to be liked by everybody. We want to be unique. We want to be different. We want to have opinions. And that will guarantee that we will only be liked by somebody. If we're liked by everybody, we're going to be bland and boring and unopinionated and not persuasive and not different. And I really do believe that if the women of the world lose their moral compass and if we don't share that moral compass, then the world will be in danger. Women are such a powerful force in this world for good. Okay, so Amy Cuddy did some experiments and she found that when she put people in power poses that people in power often did, like I said, sprawling out their body, being very open, the super um, woman stance with your hands on your hips looking up. Um, If they did these power poses, they did increase their testosterone and lower their cortisol. Um, Even the simple task of just a facial expression change changed the person's chemical um, composition. So they would have different hormones, which is so interesting because we talk a lot about thoughts, creating emotions, um, but there's also that that part where it's our hormones. And it's so applicable to us because if you're experiencing any type of mental illness, which isn't even my favorite word for it, it's not that I feel shameful about the term mental illness, but to me, it doesn't seem like an illness. It just seems like something that is. I think I've just made peace that it's neutral. It's just something that I experience and everybody experiences different things on this earth. Um, But when we have any kind of chemical changes in our brain, it's affecting our neurotransmitters. It's affecting our hormones. And even somebody who's never been diagnosed with depression or anxiety or bipolar disorder will experience hormone changes in their life. And so I thought it was really like fascinating that we could change our body language and actually increase our testosterone and become a more assertive, confident person and decrease our cortisol and become less reactive to stress. Like it's kind of incredible. And it really tied into what Rachel was teaching us that we can't just generate an emotion from our thoughts, but also our body language plays into that. And it made me think about not just physically taking up space, although I think that's such a cool concept. And I think it'd be very cool for you guys to take up yoga or to be willing to hold a power pose every morning and to look into that more. I think it's amazing. But what about taking up space? in our daily lives. So what about taking up space in a room, right? Like walking in and opening up, not to create cortisol, I'm sorry, not to create (laughs) testosterone or lower cortisol, but because we have something to say. And the coolest thing about that is not only are you physically going to create those hormones, but you will allow yourself the opportunity to have thoughts that will create the emotion for you as well. You will take your brain with you as you do the thought work and 
And those hormones will aid you in thinking thoughts that will help you continue to feel confident. So although we need confidence to show up somewhere, sometimes we can show up somewhere before we're confident. We can have an increase in testosterone and then we can think a thought that creates confidence. Are you guys with me? (laughs) It's a little loop there, okay? So we need an emotion to do something, right? It's our fuel. We put it in the gas tank. But sometimes we can get somewhere on close to empty. And when we get there, because of our power poses, because of the role we step into, we create hormones that aid us in thinking thoughts that will continue to create confidence. So we are able to increase our confidence by taking action sometimes. And the thoughts have to be there. We have to change our thoughts as we take action. But it's not enough to stay home and run models and do thought work and try to change our thoughts about what we are capable of and what we should be doing and who we are. We have to do that in conjunction with taking action. So one of the ways that I want you guys to consider taking up space is in the world of creativity. What is that thing that you want to do and pursue that you think you've naturally been gifted at? It kind of falls in your zone of genius where you have the natural talent and the desire to do it. What is that thing? And why aren't you doing it right now? One of the things that happens when we take up space, which is really incredible, is we find that there is room for us, right? Like if you think about stepping into an elevator that just looks so crowded and you step on and all of a sudden you know that it fits, it's like confirmed evidence. Oh, okay, I can fit in the elevator. Like I guess that worked. It's a little stinky, the guy next to me, and this is awkward. I think I'm touching somebody's bum, but it's all good, right? We all fit in the elevator. And I heard um, Elizabeth Gilbert on her podcast talking to somebody about taking up space. And she said, what you will find is that as you put your poetry out there, you will find that all these amazing writers and poets of all time will move aside and create a little room for you. And to me, that meant that I would be able to have thoughts that there are plenty of people interested in reading my poetry, if that's what I did. Or if I'm a songwriter, I might believe that Of course, there are people who need to hear my songs the way I sing them, the way I write them, and who will only be in my demographic and find me because of where I am in my life and how I'll show up for them. And when you have thoughts like that, right, you're making room for yourself. You have thoughts that make room for you to show up. And other people have thoughts like that too. So, As you step into being creative and showing up in the hobbies you have in life and your desires and your goals, you will find that there is space for you. You will find that it's true that there are a lot of people who need what you have. 
you will find that it's true that the market is not saturated in whatever you want to do, but it takes you showing up to find evidence for the thought that you have what people need and there's not too much of what you have out there, which was really important for me when I started coaching because before you start coaching, um, it it's not, the market is not saturated, you guys. Like literally there are very few people I know who have a life coach. It's, it's becoming a little bit more common, but it's not like everybody I know has a life coach. Um, and still when I tell people I'm a life coach, people are like, hmm, okay. And no one knows what I do. I get it. <laughs> or people will be, I get mixed reactions. Like people are c- confused or they'll be like, oh, okay. Which I don't know what that means either, really. <laughs> I just act like it's a compliment all the time. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, isn't that amazing? I love it. Like I literally respond as if they were like, that's amazing. And I'm like, I know, right? (laughs) Because I'm so obsessed and in love with what I do. It's all good. But like I, but then what happens is as soon as you enter the coaching realm, right? Everyone I know is a coach. All the people I spend time with are coaches because I went and got certified and I'm part of a Slack group and I'm part of self-coaching scholars, which is like where the woman who trained me has like a yearly membership coaching program for just students, but I get to be a part of that and keep learning from her and keep being coached and we just stay connected. And so a thought that was very easily accessible to me when I first started coaching was the market is saturated right? Or all the Mormons already know Jody Moore. That was a big deal for me. Um, I just thought that I couldn't offer anything new. Jody Moore's already said it all, right? All these thoughts from scarcity, like there's not enough to teach. There's not enough people to teach. There's not enough money to go around. There's not enough um, knowledge to share. She shared it all. And I wasn't coming at it from abundance of people, an abundance of money, an abundance of knowledge, right? An abundance of need. There's so many people who need this work in their life and need this information and to learn how to apply it to their daily situations in order to access true joy and truly live their life in accordance with you know, the gospel and to access the atonement, all of that requires joy to serve our callings, to um, reach out to others, to love our spouse perfectly, to exercise charity. It requires that we know how to really feel joy. And so, yeah, we need to take up space creatively so that we can find evidence that there is room for us. Okay, when we talk about taking up space in our calling, I think it's so neat and interesting because the prophet of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, the church that I belong to, has recently, not recently, they probably always have, but I have noticed more that they are trying to help us better understand the priesthood because there's been a lot of things on social media about how women don't have the priesthood or women should have the priesthood. Um, And of course, women's rights are always going to be an amazing issue that are going to come up. And lots of feminist groups are bringing this subject up as well. So the prophet has given us a lot of amazing 
talks and information that helps us understand that the priesthood power is everyone's. Everyone has access to the priesthood. And the coolest thing about the priesthood is that it cannot be used on yourself. So it doesn't matter if a man has the ability to put his hands on someone's head and give them a blessing of healing, right? Because he cannot do that to himself. And this woman who asks for a blessing of healing can ask anytime she wants. And if she doesn't have the keys in her home, she is the authority in her home. And so it's kind of incredible. But when we talk about a calling, right, and we talk about lot like presidencies in the church, when we're a presidency and we are showing up in ward council, um, we can take the space in the meeting. It's okay to show up and give our ideas. The only person who takes away our ability to take up space and share and have a voice is ourselves. It's our own thoughts about what we should and can be doing. And they are just thoughts. Nobody has ever said we can't share, right? Even if it feels like somebody's bulldozing you or taking up time in the meeting, you are making it mean that that means you can't share or that means what you have isn't valuable. Why are we making it mean that? We need to show up. The prophet and church leaders have made it very clear that they need our opinions. They need our guidance. Women have much to offer. Emma Smith was an integral part in um, laying the foundation for the church in the latter days. And so are you. You need to be heard. And what's so amazing is when we step into the role of our calling, we're also endowed with that power. So taking action in our calling and not just thinking thoughts like we are powerful or I can be confident in this role, but actually taking action and speaking up, coming up with ideas, being fully present with our mind, body, and spirit in church meetings allows us to access the power that comes with all the different callings, which is so fascinating, right? We have to show up and change our thoughts in order to find evidence and continue the cycle to grow our confidence, grow our assertiveness. Um, The last area that I want to talk about is that we need to be willing and allow ourselves, ladies, to take up space emotionally. We tend to talk in, um, I don't want to be a burden, right? And I talked about that at the beginning. I don't want to be a burden, right? Or they shouldn't have to feel my emotions too, right? We do this with our kids. We don't want our kids to experience the emotion that we have. They have so much going on. That's not their job. And I think that we cause more problems trying not to take up emotional space in our families and in our lives and with our friends than we do helping others. When we don't take up emotional space with our friends, we can't connect with people. We can't, we don't allow them and give them permission to share what they are struggling back with us. When we think we can't take up emotional space and energy with our kids, we end up resisting our emotions, which means that we think thoughts like they shouldn't have to go through this. 
They don't need to know what I'm feeling. Like this isn't their problem. And what happens is we compound the emotion. Now, instead of feeling sad, we're feeling sad and disappointed in ourselves for not being the happy mom we should be, right? The, the thought I hear a lot is I am, in, I am in charge of the mood in my home and I attract and create that spirit, that feeling in my home. When we think that and we're not feeling in tip-top shape, then we, we just feel shame. We're not just sad, but we feel shame around our sadness so we don't share it with anybody. And then we are more sad and that's kind of what can lead to some forms of depression or when we have depression, that's what can trigger it and bring it on. So consider taking up space with your kids and see what happens. I just want to challenge you guys. I know it feels scary, right? Like if you say out loud how you're feeling, it's going to be so intense and it's going to get worse. But just try it. Try right away telling your husband like it's just the news. Hey, I'm feeling down today. This is what's going on. I found that as soon as I started telling my husband how I was feeling, I no longer had to make it about him. It was like before I had to make it about him in order to get some kind of sympathy, right? Like all of a sudden I'd blow up at him and be like, I'm just so upset and you're just not doing that. And then he would be there for me and sympathize and I could feel better. But when I started telling him, babe, I'm just feeling a lot, kind of depressed and sad and a little disappointed right now, even though I know it's not your fault, right? I know my thoughts create my emotions, but I am feeling disappointed right now. All of a sudden, I'm not making it about him and he can be there for me because he doesn't have to be defensive. So he's like, hey, babe, I love you. It's okay. Or as soon as I could identify and say, hey, babe, I'm feeling down. I know it's just depression. I know it's not your fault. I know it's just my hormones changing, but I'm feeling down anyways. All of a sudden, I validated my feelings even in the face of a diagnosed illness, right? It just gives you so much power. Because now you've owned the way you feel, but you've also allowed the way you feel. It's all right. It's how you're feeling. There's nothing wrong with you. We can't change it right now. Why do we need to change it? What's wrong with feeling down, right? So why do we need to be afraid to take up that bandwidth, that energy, right? And the the last area I want to talk about is taking up energy in the room. And it's a scary place to be. I think a lot of us don't want to take up energy in the room because it feels very vulnerable. Like what if somebody knocks us down, right? When we walk in and our energy is really big and we're talking to everybody and we're making a joke where everyone's looking at us, we're afraid of what someone might say or their facial expression and that then we're going to feel dumb. Right? If we put our whole selves out there and we take up energy in a room, then we might feel embarrassed. And I want to offer to you that embarrassed is something we create. When we feel embarrassed, it's because we think a thought like they are right. We shouldn't be doing this. Right? Or I, who, do, who am I to think that I can show up and be funny? right? Or take up space. Or they should think that I'm funny, right? Maybe none of that matters. 
Maybe nobody in the room has to think you're funny for you to think you're funny. I just think that's, an, that's one that shows up for me because uh, I do take up a lot of energy and I notice that I'm hesitant to do that only when I'm in other people's business about what they might think about me. When I'm in my business about what I think about me, which is my job, right, you guys? Sometimes we, we forget about our job, about what we think about we, uh, what we think about we, what we think about us. And we're spending so much time of wanting, uh, trying to show up to create other people's feelings and thoughts about us. It doesn't work anyways. So spend that energy on what you think about you. And then spend that energy on what you think about them. When you show up and you love you, and you love and appreciate everyone in that room, you can take up that same energy that feels authentic to you, right? Like not everyone's going to want to bust in the room and crack a joke. Some of us are um, introverts, right? Like we don't need to come and be the center of attention. Um, but if you are the type of person that like, feels like that would be more authentically you to to slide in the room like Kramer, right? I think about Kramer and Seinfeld, like slides in the room and he's kind of jittery. He's like, hey, I don't know what that word is <laughs> that he says. I think he has like a catchphrase that he like slides in and his hair's crazy and his eyes are kind of crazy. He's like, hey guys, like if that's you, then you need to start focusing on what you think about you and on loving other people about in the room and letting them think whatever they want right? They can think whatever they want has nothing to do with you. So I hope that you guys are now standing in the superwoman power pose or sliding in the room like Kramer um, or doing down dog, you know, any or all of the above or looking forward to my crazy video of me creating excitement in my body. Doesn't that sound like a very hippy dippy thing to do? I think it does. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode and you kind of see how you have to physically take a little action to create emotion as well as to supervise your thoughts so you can bring your brain along with you and start to create evidence for why these thoughts that you are enough and you are worthy of taking up space in your life are true. I love you gals so much. And guys, if you're listening, you know, my husband always listens and he's like, you always say, hey, girlfriend. And I'm not your girlfriend, but um, all you guys too, love you tons and have a fabulous, fabulous week. If you have questions about anything you've learned here on the podcast or want help with something going on in your own life, hop on a free coaching call with me. In just 30 minutes, you'll have real tools for your unique situation. Go to LimitlessFemaleCoaching.com forward slash work with me. Or you can find a link in the show notes below. Spots are limited, so grab one before you miss it.